Welcome to Carrying Wayward, a supernatural podcast for fans who aren't ready to let go and newcomers to the series who are ready to jump in. I'm Drew Shulman. And I'm Marie Vigourou. In this episode, we're doing a recap of Supernatural's season six through the theme of family. Let's get this show on the road. Oh my god, I can't, like, this is such a, oh, sorry, so many emotions and feelings. I know, such right? A different season recap. I mean, the thing is, like, this season is different from all of the ones that we've seen before, like, in big part because it's not written by the same person, or at least, like, led by the same person in the writer's room. And so I think that we're getting a really interesting um, feedback loop about supernatural as supernatural and we're seeing that anyway i have a lot of thoughts about that and i'm like ah bursting at the seams but first (laughs) recap (laughs) oh my god okay yes um count me down all right so yeah these ones are usually special and i don't really know (laughs) what you have planned for us but i am very excited (laughs) all right three two one season six it's a whole new story Dean's retired from hunting. He's living with Lisa and Ben, and everything seems perfectly fine. And then things aren't perfectly fine. And Sam is back. What? And their grandfather Samuel's back. Also what? And the whole Campbell clan is a thing. And Dean's been out of the game this whole time. And it turns out it's been a year. Sam's been back the entire bloody time and no one told him because they want him to be out of the game. Then Dean gets back in the game. And it's the old show again. Except that Sam seems weird, question mark? And Cass is kind of distant and there's something going on there, maybe? Anyways, they try to get back to the normal shenanigans of figuring out what's going on and solving mysteries and it's everyone's favorite show. Uh, But then suddenly we find out Sam doesn't have a soul, which is why he's been super weird and kind of like really messed up. Um, And they decide they need to get his soul back. And this whole time they're trying to figure out what's up with Cass. Cass is working against heaven for this giant battle because apparently they're trying to get the apocalypse back on track and he's all like i don't want that uh so he's up in heaven trying to solve his problems dean's down here with sam trying to solve the whole soul of sam problem and getting bobby to help him out uh and of course crowley still dealing with you know bobby's soul and there's just so many shenanigans which ultimately resolves in sam getting a soul back Cass is secretly working with crowley behind their backs um we find out that there's purgatory and the mother of all monsters, Eve, is there. And the alphas, the leaders of all these creatures, are Crowley's big plan to find purgatory. Why, we don't know. He says he wants real estate, but there's still more to it, which we find out is because he's working with Cass. And then they kill Eve. And then Cass and Crowley work together. And they end up winning the battle in heaven, effectively. And Sam gets not only his soul back, but his memories back from his time in hell. Uh, or the cage. We still don't know what the hell that means, the difference of. We're still going to wait and find out that. Uh, and then Dean, in all of this, leaves Lisa and Ben and wipes that him from their memories, which is really unceremonious. And we lose Rufus this season. And Samuel, who was brought back, is also killed. And ultimately, the battle in heaven is kind of won. And it's a big mess. And did I mention they had to face so much shit this season? We have 
Jin's wanting revenge, shape-shifting babies, shape-shifting alphas, staff of Moses, Akami demons also digging up dirt on Crowley and literally digging up his bones, vampires who don't sparkle, vampires, uh, Veritas, the god of truth, alpha vampires, we have cultural appropriation, we have aliens, okay, really fairies, but still, uh, Crowley faces death, Dean gets to play death, dragons, arachne spider demons, a haunted liver, and evil mannequins, because that wasn't enough for an episode, uh, Things get a bit too real. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Get what I'm getting there? French mistake joke. Uh, brain control worm <laughs> demons. Uh, Atrophos, who, uh, you know, gets them to resync the Titanic because that was a problem. A literal phoenix in the Old West in a showdown. Eve and her Jefferson Starships. I tried to make a parody of that song for this, but no one knows Jefferson Starship songs well enough. And I couldn't do it because I can't write music. Uh, Cass ends up kind of becoming the bad guy. Uh, we get to deal with the old races and his stupid plans that may have brought about the end of people's lives in Earth. Uh, and a final angel battle where Cass gets kind of a real good god complex this time. Time! Whoo! We also have, so, you know, people are adding to your fantastic recap. Please. Saying that we have poor decisions made in cornfields. Yes! <laughs> we have Bobby falling through a window. Bobby falling through a window. What is that? Uh, isn't that? What episode is that? And it's the water. I'm dying. When does Bobby <laughs> fall through a window? Well, thank you, Drew, honestly, for this lovely recap. Uh, yeah, and Weekend at Bobby's. He does fall through a window. Oh, yes. When he's, uh, yes. Oh, was that thank not you, in my thing? Did I lose that line? I thought I had a line of, oh, no, no, no. Okay, never mind. I know what I did. Never mind. Okay, stop. No spoilers. <laughs> oh! Uh, <laughs> when Chipper does beat everything, that's correct. <laughs> yeah, no. Right. The, uh, so I'll be honest. I wanted to do a musical parody of Jefferson Starship. So sitting with my mother, who's a much bigger fan of classic rock than I am, or just has more knowledge than I do, and we were trying to figure out what songs does Jefferson Starship do we came up with like two or three pretty decent ones and then realized none of them are actually jefferson starship they're just starship so oh. uh rochelle finally actually pitched jane which was the only one we had on her list never heard the song before in my life tried to write a parody of it using all the lines i had just could not do it out of the brain for it <laughs> i'm gonna start hiring my brother who's a musical genius <sighs> i mean you know i i feel like that would make a really good special episode just saying <laughs> oh, I've already pitched someone writing music with me. Don't worry. Amazing. So as we've done with recaps in the past, like instead of the long game this week, uh, we're going to be reflecting on what we've gone through, uh, you know, in season six in terms of like podcasting, team-wise, personal-wise, etc. So Drew, do you want to get us started? Yeah. Um, I'm going to be very, very blunt. Season six was tough. Like really Starting this season, it did not pull me in. It really took until about... Uh, I think it was discovering Sam having having no soul, which I think is only like episode six or seven, really, before I was like, oh, I'm back on board, which made doing the show really tough because at the end of the day, I'm committed to the show, whether or not I love an episode or hate an episode or really fall out of love. I think that's something worth discussing if ever that happens. And I was really worried about that. Yeah, I feel that. Um, but, I, and again, it was, uh, I, I I gave it the benefit of the doubt because this is the first season without Kripke, so things are different. Um, 
and I'm glad to say retroactively looking back in it, I really did love season six and like genuinely not just enjoyed it, loved it because there was so much to love. There was so much good. There was so much new and different and giving myself the opportunity to like let it have its room to grow really made it easier for myself to like swallow it. Um, As for me this season, I think we've really kind of honed ourselves teamwork wise um some of you might know mary as you were saying you were just away on vacation i was the way on vacation and despite being basically not recording for almost five weeks six weeks six weeks jesus um that's how long it's been since we've recorded together yes um we managed to keep this season very well under wraps and working properly and minimal hiccup free an upload pending maybe (laughs) uh which to me just speaks volumes to the professionalism the skills we've developed and how good we've gotten at doing this um and also i mean just a big shout out to uh, mostly you and rochelle for planning an amazing event and everything around the man who would be king oh yes well folks don't quite know about that yet so that's uh gonna be coming up for people um honestly for me like the behind the scenes of season six were also like for me the behind the scenes of season six were more challenging than season six itself because like i knew season six i knew that i loved these little gems of episodes and i knew that it was going to be tough for you at the beginning not knowing what was going on with sam and I was re-listening and I keep telling him, I'm like, Drew, I promise you it's worth the wait. Like, just stick it out. You're gonna like it. <laughs> it was really funny. But yeah, like on the back end for me, like I realized that last year I basically took on too much at school. Like I took on more courses than most, like almost all of my classmates actually. Like I wrote and I prepared like three papers for publications. One of them got published. So I'm really happy about that. And that's like in addition to like work and parenting and just life stuff. So I had like very little free time. And on top of it, we had to prep like two months worth of episodes like ahead of time. So if I sounded a little bit like at the end of my rope in some episodes, it's honestly because I was. Yes, Fluffy, you remember. <laughs> I was here. Someone else wants to give their feedback on the yeah, season. Yeah, exactly. He's got Boys a lot of baby. thoughts. He's got a smooth brain. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but it it also it also means that like we're coming back to recording today. But like like we were saying, the last time that we recorded was like six weeks ago so anyway like reflecting on my experience of recording season six like it was basically a whirlwind to be honest and i'm i'm really looking forward to coming back to a more like regular rhythm in season seven yeah (laughs) which we've already discussed is gonna have a week where i'm not around so we're already planning around that which i love (laughs) yeah but like at the same time we've done like six weeks so we know that we can do one oh yeah no like looking at that it's nothing um yeah exactly so like we did last season we're going to be looking at the season as a whole like through the theme of family uh more specifically like how the meaning of family for sam and dean but also for other characters like evolves through the season and before we do that i just want to preface with the fact that like i 
I literally went back and listened to all of our story times for season six, like in part to prep for this, but also because I genuinely did not remember what we talked about. Like it was too far, like too <laughs> far. And I was just too busy. I did not have any brain capacity to retain any of that information. And I noticed that there were a few themes like within the theme of family that sort of came up a lot. And one of them is parenthood, particularly fatherhood with like, of course, a little sprinkle of motherhood in there. Uh, and the second one is the theme of partnership um, and obviously brotherhood because it's supernatural, but it's a given. So like I, you know, there you go. No, um, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. So do we want to start with Sam? Yeah, Sam, Sam gets a really interesting deal. Uh, he gets reconnected with family through literally Grandpa Samuel and the entirety of a Campbell clan that appeared overnight allegedly uh or have been there the whole time i mean sorry and while we learn later this occurred while sam was in his soulless era we then see how he deals with bobby and dean by comparison while being soulless and it feels like found family matters much less because found family is completely entwined with feeling it's a connection it's growth which is something that Solo Sam doesn't have. He's much more logic and like driven. So they're the part of your found family, which is the like finding that connection, the finding people and learning to be with them isn't there anymore. Yeah. And I think that we really like, this is really, really visible in the Bobby John moment uh, in the baby shifter episode in 602. Like someone asks Sam and Dean what the name of the baby is. And Dean replies, Bobby and Sola Sam replies, John. And I mm. completely agree with you. Like, I think that this is Sola Sam sort of like going through the motions of what family is rather than really reflecting on what family means. And it's like, because he can't feel it, which is something that he says in like 606, you can't handle the truth. Like he doesn't, he doesn't feel the damage that John did to them anymore or the good that Bobby did for them. He's like, oh, John is my biological father. Therefore he's more family than Bobby is. And like, he leans so much into that, that Balthazar actually has to spell it out for him that uh, he can use Bobby's blood in the ritual to not get his soul back in 611 appointment in Samara. And so, like, I have to think about what this says, like, about the messaging here, because it sort of feels like the writers are saying that, like, only unfeeling people put blood family above found family. I don't disagree. I read it more as found family is not necessarily... I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of a good expression here, but like it's not the cover of the book, it's the subtext of the book. Mm -hmm. So if you're being pure logic and you're like, what is a family? A family is biological parents giving birth to a being. I am that being, thus they are my family. It then requires the more thought-provoking, soulful, soul-searching to then see past that into what is family mm -hmm. really mean. Um, which we do see because Sam gets his soul back and he feels this need to atone for the him he was earlier in the season, even if he doesn't fully understand what that was. Um, and right away that involves reconnecting to his found family and trying to reconcile his actions despite being told explicitly not to by somebody deaf. Um, right. 
And, you know, Sam in this moment shows us that he is too curious and will put himself in danger to get answers. And I think at a point I thought this was selfish. And I think I see it now a little more as that self-sacrifice side of I'd rather put myself in a dangerous way to learn more so I can not just so I have answers, but so I can atone for them properly. Um, it's like, ultimately he sees a need to know the truth. And all of this is in order to help those around him, the family he chooses and he needs to put before his own safety. Right. I think that there's two things to think about here. Mm the first one being that now that Sam has his soul, he, his reactions aren't always going to be purely rational. And um, sometimes human beings do irrational things as we see countless times on, on Supernatural. And so I think that that's also something, you know, it doesn't really make sense for Sam to put himself in harm's way in order to get answers that nobody wants to give him, right? So like, I think that we're also seeing that kind of come into play. And then the second thing being that like, he, um, I, I think that if we're going to be talking about that, like, we also have to talk about how he ended up getting those answers, which was in 612 like a virgin i think uh which was to play cast like 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 a child right mm -hmm. these are, are, are dean's words which is something that you would either do to someone you don't care about at all or to like somebody that you care a lot about but like also like to a sibling you know what i mean mm -hmm. like and I think i know where you stand about that when it comes to <laughs> sam and cast but i don't know <laughs> I don't know. I mean, my little brothers, when they were young, really, one of them really hated the other one. So I could see it going both ways, even with them. So, oh goodness. But that's just that's just brothers. That's just siblings. I think that's just siblings. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, oh, my goodness. So I, I like I like that a lot. Actually, that's a really cute little like. It it works both ways in a very good way. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then ultimately we kind of come to this big conclusion where Sam is back together. Uh, albeit after dramatically self-murdering his other selves. Um, right. But he seems to be, like, I know we only get him for, like, mere moments in that episode, really, but he seems to be more himself. And this is something, I, like, I'm being a little predictive here. I'm really excited to see how this is handled in Season 7 because it's not just getting his soul back, it's an evolution of that because he's now having to deal with who he was, the parts that he kind of like learned about in being soulless, his classic self having a soul, but also this completely third mysterious part of the in the cage self. Mm -hmm. So I'm very excited to see, like, the, the, it, I feel like the show hasn't really done this to us, where they've given us kind of an emotional, like, here's something to deal with on an emotional level that is going to be very potent, and I really hope it is, going forward. And I want to see how that affects his relationship to everyone around him. I think you're asking for growth. Which I feel <laughs> like I love asking for, and you're going to remind me that the show doesn't do very frequently? Well, so that's the thing. Like, we're either going to see Sam going exactly right back to the character that he was, because those are the archetypes, and that's pretty mm -hmm. much all we're ever going to get, ever. Or we're actually going to see a little bit of growth in Sam. So we'll see which one it is. 
Yep. And then if we can counterpoint Sam almost entirely this season, it would be Dean's connection to family. I don't um, know. I don't know if it's counterpointed, but I agree that they're going through very different journeys. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure if we really like wrote it down, we could probably figure out like exactly where they balance each other. But I think you're right. It's a very different family journey. Yes. Uh, and that is the sure. fact that we see family through Dean's eyes in three distinctive ways is kind of the way I, I chose to frame it. Okay. We have his chosen family, Sam, Bobby, and Cass. We have his blood family, which in this case is the Campbell. So it's almost like a new relationship with family. So there's not the pre-existing history, but there is the we are family by blood. Sure. Yeah. And then there's what I'm calling his escape family, oh. Lisa and Ben. Okay. All right. Go on. So it echoes the show's past and how Dean is so clearly invested and connected to his chosen family and how easily he turns his back and has distrust for the Campbells. Like, mm. we, we've seen, you know, back when this whole thing started, and he was John's perfect little soldier. And even when, like, you know, he didn't agree with John all the time, he was always in John's camp. We now have the reverse of that, which is the, oh, just because you're my blood family doesn't mean I owe you anything. We have to start from scratch. Um he sees how family can betray you and doesn't choose to give them the benefit of the doubt just because they're related. And they seem to treat Dean the same way, which ultimately makes it easier as an audience to side with him on this one. Uh, the show goes really hard in making Dean feel like his chosen family is right. And even if things don't always go as they should, they can always sort of find a common ground and reconnect. I mean, like look at the, last few seasons with sam and look where they are now even once he gets a soul back especially but even when he doesn't have a soul and dean just wants to reconnect with him it, it's such a you know he's built up all season that he has found people he loves and trusts and that they are better for it just you know it's just it's it's he's his trust and loves what matters and then we ultimately get it turned against him like Sam did, but this time with Cass, who was entirely outside of this bubble before becoming part of the found family, as opposed to Sam, who had the benefit of being blood-related to him. And I just... It feels so much more painful this time. It does. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, to all of this. Um... I think that this is like a really good bird's eye view of the season, especially when it comes to Dean. Um, I mentioned earlier that one sub theme for the season, I think was parenting, particularly fatherhood. And I think that we see that in Dean in many, many ways. Like the season starts like really strong with that in 602 by showing, well, even in 601, uh, but also in 602 by showing Dean being a father to Ben and also to the baby shifter and um, all of that, like, to me, like brings us back to Dean's childhood when he was parenting Sam and John was basically just not stepping up to the plate as a father. And honestly, like during my re-listen, I was really moved in that episode when we're talking about how the difference between Dean and John is that once Dean's bad behaviors are pointed out to him, he takes steps to change them. And I think that this is a way to show how parenting is a way to right the wrongs done to you, 
like Dean is refusing to repeat John's mistakes and to like inflict the pain that John inflicted on him onto Ben. And that's why he's parenting him differently. Like, and I think it's really important to add the caveat that like, that is when he has the emotional capacity to do so, because like, we know that in really high moments of stress, he tends to reach for those like Johnisms, right? Like we remember that. Yeah. So in a way, this is Dean reparenting himself. And with hindsight, I genuinely think that this is one of the reasons why Dean ends up having Cass like wiping Lisa and Ben's memory in 621 because he wishes that that's what he could do to the younger version of himself, like wipe John off of his memory. Don't we all? Again, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't think that it was the right decision, but I'm. I'm just trying to find ways to understand the decision. Yeah, I think it's. I I think we discussed it in the episode how it seem how we both agree it's not the right decision, but there is like a, a flawed logic that Dean goes yeah. through that does make sense, and I think you're right. It's the idea that if he could do it to himself with john he would right um and again while ben and lisa were kind of unceremoniously shoot off the show the relationship dean shared with them was so important we saw that dean would choose the life of a hunter to protect others before his own happiness it feels like dean only even tried to leave hunting and have an ideal family life because everyone else wanted him to have it. It wasn't like he was trying to get out and go do this. It was everyone saying, no, you're out, go stay. You're done. Get on the bench. Right. You know, Dean doesn't need family for the sake of others. He needs family for himself and the himself being truly himself. You know, Dean needs a family that will let him be Dean. Yeah. I think this really comes back down to like another conversation that we were having in the beginning of the season. And I think we came to the conclusion that like, yes, Dean wants family, he wants to retire, but not on those specific terms. Like, and sadly, like he had to figure that out at the detriment of, of Ben and Lisa, right? Yeah. Um, I think one last thing that we need to talk about when it comes to Dean and family this season is the fact that like for one episode in 605, he becomes part of the vampire family. And I think that this is notable, like in part because of like their association with queerness, but also because of like the literal bloody way that he becomes their family. So it's not just like queer chosen or sorry, it's not only queer chosen family, it's blood family as well. And like, I so wished that the show had leaned into that a little bit more or like explored it. Yeah, I'm not surprised it ended so quickly, the whole Dean becoming a vampire, but I really would have liked more. That's a space I would have loved to play in. I mean, I, w I was okay with them finishing that storyline quickly, but I really wish that they had explored, like, when the, the, the alpha vampire is talking to Dean and he's saying, like, mm. you were a child of mine at one point or something like that. You know, I wish that they had, I wish that conversation had been a bit more fleshed out. Or like, what does this mean for Dean? Like a little bit of like his reaction to that. Like, I wish we had just a little bit more than that little nugget that was so promising. But anyway, that's just me. Yeah, but I love what we got. I Yes, absolutely. What about Cass? Yeah, so Cass has a very clear relationship with Heaven. 
and angels and God in a family context that that was made very clear when he was introduced and he's worked so hard to free himself from the preconception of what it meant to be part of heaven in a family sense Mm -hmm. but kind of like Dean there's a part of him that can't let go of his past responsibilities and Cass feels a connection to heaven in the sense of a family and wants to improve their life even if it means stepping back from the new found family and happier life that he has found in his found family i.e. Dean and company right I I think I see this a little bit differently. Like I've talked about this before, but I don't, I don't actually see Cass as choosing heaven before Dean or over Dean. Like I, I see him as choosing duty, like the same way that Dean chose duty at the end of season five. Like I see him putting the ends above the means that he might use to get there also. So it's like duty and then like whatever I need to do in order to achieve that will work, right? So like in his mind, it goes like, if I need to lie to Dean in order to save Dean, then lying to Dean, I will. And like, I think that that's why in at the very end of the season, starting with the man who would be king, cast like, isn't hearing Dean when Dean is talking because like, again, in his mind, it goes like, if in order to save Dean, I need to not listen to him, then not listen to him. I will, you know, like it's, or listen to him. I won't, whatever, however you want (laughs) to phrase that to make it like a bit more whatever, but like, do you see what I mean? Yes. Um, Yeah. And and I think, I I think I, I agree, but I think ultimately the responsibility to, the duty is the fact that he sees heaven as family. I if don't it was know just a job, like I feel like the two ways to view heaven for Cass are a job or family. And if it were just a job, I think he'd be better at walking away from it. But it's the well, bond he still feels to like his brethren. You got to think about the stakes though, because he's not doing this for heaven. He's doing it in order to save the earth, to save humanity, right? Like true. That's that, or at least that's what he's telling us he's doing to save humanity, to save you, all of you, whatever, however we want to, you know, whichever little nugget of dialogue we want (laughs) to scratch at. But like, I think that's, that's why to me, like, again, he's thinking about the ends, like he's thinking about in order to save humanity, and we know what humanity means for Cass, right? It means Dean, I need to do this. I need to make sure that Raphael doesn't do this and therefore I need to swallow all of the souls in purgatory, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's, there you go. Which is kind of funny because while I feel like Cass has always kind of connected with Dean, not just emotionally in the show, right, but right, also right. just in the way they parallel each other, mm-hmm. we're starting to see a much more of a connection between Cass's way of dealing with things and Sam's. Uh, in his taking things too far and putting himself in a bad place and him to fix a problem that probably would be much better, you know, if they just talked about it with their lovely found family and find a way to resolve this together instead of going at it solo and alone and putting themselves in danger. To me, it feels like a flaw in Cass in that he can only, it's a flaw that can only exist in Cass because he's learned to be so human from flawed humans which is to say all humans and Cass feels like he can't let his found family in because his issues are too big for them the same way Dean builds these walls 
again around himself and pushes out Lisa and Ben because his issues are just too big and scary for them. Cass is learning to be human and have loved ones from people who are not perfect and need to grow and learn on their own as well. Like, not to say it's a bad place to learn from, but he's also right. learning the parts they're not good at. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, if we're gonna... Yes, yes. I, <laughs> I, We've talked about this before also when we say that Cass is learning how to be human. Also, arguably, how to be a man, more specifically, from Dean, and in all of the best and the worst ways, right? And so um, that's why, like, this idea of duty is very important. This idea of, like usefulness like all of that stuff like it his definition of himself is like locked onto how dean thinks of humans of men and and relationships in general i think and if we're going to be talking about mirroring um i think that we need to talk about season five because in our season five recap, like we specifically talked about how Sam chose Ruby as his family and Dean chose Cass. And obviously things worked out for Dean because Cass stayed true to him, but it didn't for Sam who got betrayed by Ruby. And it feels like in this season, we're watching a parallel between Sam getting betrayed by Ruby and Dean getting betrayed by Cass. And, and like, I just want to be really clear that obviously the situation is different, but the feeling of betrayal is the same. That hurts my heart, <laughs> which, which, which is my way of saying, I know you're right. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I just want to like, as we're wrapping up this family section, I do want to talk sure. on Bobby a little bit yes. um, because he is a part of all of this and Absolutely. his connection to the boys is always been so strong, but we're also learning about his past romantic partner and Ellie mm -hmm. and, you know, I feel like we learned so little in this about him, but at least it does tell us that he's had other connections before, which I think just expands on him and the idea that he's had other familiar relationships. And I think Rufus is definitely part of that too. Yeah. The fact that like we look at something like the rift between Sam and Dean with Sam basically causing an apocalypse and still finding a way to become Sam's brother and found family still rufus and bobby as we know had their falling out yet despite this they can still remain civil and connected and trusting each other which to me is a bond that only exists in family right yeah i i mean i also really appreciated that we got to learn more about bobby's family and that we got to learn more about rufus um i just think that the price for that was really steep like yeah um, I'm still mad that they killed off Rufus, mm -hmm. like to this day. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, I do want to look at one last weird family person connection thing. Sure. Eve. Like, there is a really weird family dynamic when it comes to Eve and monsters in general. Uh, we begin to see the relationship between monsters and their alphas, and by extension, their mother Eve we see that there's a level of familiarity in these creatures beyond just killing in general horribleness. You know, Eve cares for her creations. She might be a little lackadaisical in the way she does it in the making these um, starships of hers, but ultimately she loves them. Um, 
And, you know, we see it in the Alphas, too, going so far to rescue their young. Like, that wasn't just a, I'm a monster, I want this baby. It's like, no, no, this is my child, I need it safe. Um, You know, it's kind of that connection of, like, the creatures, the monsters are just like our hunters and angels. They're part of families, whether they are found in these families or born in these families, or how they choose to go along with these families and how they forge these paths ahead. You know, this season alone, we see so many more creatures, monsters, and how they act socially versus just being fodder for the weekly story. Yes. Okay. So I, I love that we're talking more about Eve because she's our connection to like the other sub theme, which is motherhood. Uh, we talked a lot about fatherhood, but I think motherhood is also quite present, particularly like with Eve throughout the the second half of the season, right? The first half was a lot about fatherhood, alphas, you know, Samuel, John, Dean. And then the second half is a lot about motherhood. And um, so we have Eve as like the mother of all monsters, which I'm honestly like a little upset about given that from what I understand, the actual like lore is that Lilith was the mother of all demons and monsters. Um, so I don't really, uh, anyway, I don't like mm -hmm. that they sort of like split that into two. Like, I feel like Lilith was done a little dirty, to be entirely honest with you. So Agreed. anyway, moving on. Uh, I think that having Eve taking on like that mothering role sort of also allows the show to bring back Samantha Smith in uh, 619 Mommy Dearest. And obviously the other place where we see motherhood this season is through Lisa and how she parents and protects Ben, like as best as she can, obviously. Yeah, I, I like that we do kind of get a motherhood angle this season, albeit a bit light, as opposed to all the fatherhood angles we've had before this. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing I want to talk is a little bit more meta, um, because earlier in story time, I talked about how fatherhood was really important this season, and we end up with like reminders of like how John fucked up and how badly Samuel fucked up too. And like, despite his best intentions, like how Dean also fucks up with his own parenting. And in a season where like the creator of the series has just left the show, I can't help but think about like what this says about Eric Kripke as like the father of Supernatural. I, I think that speaks volumes. <laughs> I just think, like, what are the ways in which the show thinks, or, like, the show as it runs now in season six and now as we go into season seven, like, what what does this show think Eric Kripke's fuck, like, his fuck-ups are, <laughs> you know? I, oh. Because I have my own thoughts about it, but like I'm curious to know what the show thinks, kind of thing. So that's kind of an angle I'm going to try to keep in mind as we. Like, I wanted. To, I want us to dig into that one, please. Yeah, there you go. Like as we walk into season seven, like just to kind of keep an eye on that. <laughs> Is there anything else about the theme of family in in this season that you want to talk about, True? No, I, I I got everything I wanted out. You brought more to the table than I could have bargained for, and <laughs> I. I, you know what, like you said, I think it's a really good theme to keep going back to every season, not to harp on it so long, because really that's the show's kind of bread and butter is these familial connections. Yeah. And I think this season really used that to its advantage in a new story arc. Right, right, right. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's the whole idea that Creepy said, like, family is hell, right? And so, like, where, what does this all mean? 
Um, so if we move on to critical time, we did this for our last season recap and we had so much fun doing it that we decided to do it again. So <laughs> you and I have each prepared our own personal top 10 favorite moments of season six. We don't know what we wrote down. Like, I don't know what you wrote. <laughs> it's not in the nope. show notes, like no idea. And Total we're going to be discovering it like together. So how about like we each give like our descending yeah. top 10. So like 10, nine, eight. I That's almost how forgot I to wrote count it. backwards, but yeah. <laughs> Do it <laughs> in like, French oh maybe. <laughs> uh, yes, that would be very, very, very much easier right now. <laughs> uh, and of course we'll kind of play bingo rules. If one of us has someone else's, we can like check it off and yeah, have yeah, a yeah. laugh about it. Uh, but I think my number 10 is going to be a little unique to me. Sure. Uh, and that was just, the reveal for Ellie. Oh yeah. Like just that yeah, she yeah, was like more that. like I remember loving her when she first showed up in her episode as like this dragon expert. And then you kind of gave me a subtle like wink and a nudge of like, oh we'll see more of her. And I was like, yay, mm. not in a million years that I think she would be not only a supernatural being, but she would also be like another thing from purgatory with like this big right. like I just I I'm bummed we don't get more, but mm -hmm. I love that there was a surprise. Oh, I love that. So my number 10 is very simple. It's dragons. <laughs> weirdly close. <laughs> yeah, I know, weirdly related, like same episode. <laughs> that was almost on my list, it was just dragons. That was like an, ex an exclamation mark. I did like dragons. That was fun. I liked, yeah, I like dragons. I, I love it too. And like, I think we almost complained like, oh, like Drew's going to not like the way they did dragons. I like how they did dragons personally. What's your number nine? Um, A weird one because I think I connected with it more in our talking about it afterwards than in the moment, but I really made me reflect on it more. And that is Rufus's funeral. Uh, I felt yes, it was I touching. Agree. I felt it was beautiful. I know I have, and I've spec I've said it before, a personal connection through the actual prop making of that episode. Yes. Um, listen to the episode if you want to hear that story again. So I'll repeat it mm -hmm. again, the fifth time or something. Uh, but also what it led me to actually research in Jewish funerary rites was also very interesting on top of that. That's wonderful. I love that. Thank you. And your number nine? My number nine is the weekend at Bobby's montage of Bobby doing things like to <laughs> the gambler, which I absolutely love. <laughs> that is my number six. <laughs> oh, lovely. What's your number eight? Uh, my number eight is the reveal that Crowley was still alive because I was calling Ooh. it like miles away and yeah. I was very proud of that shot. But also I so fucking love Crowley that I just yeah, keep wanting I him agree. to come back. So there was a part of me that wasn't sure if it was legit or if I was just being hopeful, uh, but I'm happy. Awesome. My number eight is Dean's Vampire Visions in Live Free or Twy Hard. Um, I, th I just thought that it was like so different from what we're used to seeing in Supernatural. And I just, I thought it was a fun, very fun change of pace. Uh, my number seven is another uh, reveal. And I think this one is something unique to me in the fact that it's my first viewing of the show. Okay. Uh, but that would be the opening of The French Mistake. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think that is I could have... yeah. Don't think I could have saw that. I, I think even when I saw it happen, I was trying to figure out what the angle was. Yeah. Because yeah, I didn't yeah. believe it was just, they're in the real world. <laughs> they're in our universe now. They've left Barbie land. <laughs> yes. 
I just watched the Barbie movie, everybody. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. Um, um, your number seven. My number seven is Dean's reaction to Sam sleeping with a girl while he was being abducted by aliens in Clap Your Hands, if you believe. <laughs> you were sleeping with Patchouli. It's just peak Dean. Love oh, him. Oh, so peak Dean. Yeah. Um, my number six already spoiled was the... Um, the the a, a day in the life of bobby montage very yeah. specifically just him saying balls over and over again yes <laughs> um so i will jump to my number five wait is... i don't get to say my number six oh i th- I, I, th- I thought we would just switch up the orders there but you're right no do your six sorry yes uh sam and dean acting as jared and jensen in the french mistake <laughs> <laughs> damn it i spat my water <laughs> wrong time to take a sip drew oh, bad timing <laughs> I'm used to yours being much more thought-provoking and less silly, but that just the entire episode. My God, it was just—it was just really funny. If there is a lock, then there must be a key. <laughs> oh God, the acting, the acting. Oh, that scene so is magic. It was perfect. What's your number uh, five? My number five actually ties into one of your previous ones, uh, which is the other side of the abduction sequence, which is Solus Sam's incredible lack of empathy <laughs> in Dean literally being abducted. The like it's, that it's just it's that silently waving over another beer. I know it's oh literally one. like I could not ask for a better moment in that oh, episode. That's so true. Um my number five is just Misha in the French mistake. <laughs> that's my number three. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have it as just French mistake. Misha being Misha. I, I mean, Misha, playing Misha was... Um, Hola, Misha Migos. <laughs> a gift. Yeah. Hola, Misha Migos. No. Oh, my God. I'm lighted. I'm laughing. I, I knew we were so ready to do this game again. Uh, no um, fainting, though. <laughs> no, no fainting. No, no, I'm not sick. Oh, that was a scary one. Um, number four, another just weirdly laugh-out-loud moment that left me perplexed for so long is naming them jefferson starships yeah that was that was unhinged <laughs> like i feel like if unhinged. you paused the episode there and made me guess what he was gonna name them it would not, not be, in a million years when i've been no like way. a band yes um i i don't even know how to react to that because i remember just being like what is happening on this show right now <laughs> the first time like I it's french it. mistakes level of weird I guess so. So I'm leaving now. I'm 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 kind of leaving like the funny ones behind, and I'm moving into the stuff that like like kind of either got to me or I thought was really interesting. And for me, my number four is the montage in uh, Exile on Main Street that's showing like Dean's current and old life. Like just because I thought that it was so incredibly effective at showing how people live a normal life after trauma. That is. A very good one. Um, I already said three was my French mistake moment, so kind of a weird counterpoint there. Uh, <laughs> just position there, but just Misha being Misha. Yeah, Misha being Misha is is fantastic. Um, I'm now I'm now entering like my favorite moments in the Men Who Would Be King. Um, just three, two, one is all the Men Who Would Be King. So uh, for me, number three is Cass favoring the eternal Tuesday afternoon of an autistic man in heaven. I love that. I- I'm almost bummed I didn't put that. So mm. we're getting to my number two, which is the cast confessional moment from the man who would be king. Oh, yeah. Because to me, that is just such a develop like of the entire episode. I think it does the most good job 
just letting us in to cast as a character in such an intimate way. Mm-hmm. And while I think number two could just be that episode as a whole for so many reasons. Yeah. That was the moment that kind of like condensed down to like the perfect example of that episode. Yeah. Um, for me, number two is cast pleading, please give me a sign and the man who would be king. Yeah. Yeah. What's um, your number one? I, I'm glad my number one's going before yours. I feel like yours is going to be a much better one to end on. <laughs> my number one is the show legitimately doing something so incredibly bizarre. I okay. don't think even my wildest, stupidest predictions would have landed on this ever. Okay. And that is a haunted liver. <sighs> yes. And I think th- the fact that it was done at all... And then that it was dealt with so poorly. I think just yeah, that was just was a such a bizarre and my thing opinion. that I needed to bring it up. Um, yeah, I don't like to think about Mannequin Three: The Reckoning. It's uh, it's a lot. Um, but do I. <laughs> if I can move on to my number one, please, it would be that moment where Dean is turning around to look back at Cass, like while he's standing in the holy oil ring of fire in the man who would be king like that look back to me is the one that changed everything with my relationship to supernatural my relationship to dean my understanding of dean um yeah without if i hadn't seen that episode i probably wouldn't be doing this show today so yeah i i you know i love again just to look back at these lists um the, the weird things we overlap on, but also the things that we've, we both come to the show. I think both of us, just the way we watch media, but also having seen the show versus first time viewing, how different things hit us. Mm-hmm. I, I love this exercise. Like I, there was a good moment we were thinking of like, what else could we do? And there was a part of me that was like, I told totally to do this again. This was such a fun exercise. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was, it was. But it, it's also it insightful. Yeah. Well, speaking of insightful, like, is there, do you have like a reflection and call to action for this season? Yeah, um, this show has a tendency, and I feel like we keep hitting these little like road marks, um, uh, landmarks, mm-hmm. road signs. Uh, there was a word for this. Road markers, mile road markers. Mar- road markers, mile markers. Um, where like the show lines up with milestones. Life a little bit. Sorry, milestones. milestones. Yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Oh, words are tough sometimes. Words are tough. It's fine. It's fine. They're really tough. I'm really feeling connected to Dean, specifically early season six Dean in the, you know what? It's one thing when the world hands you something that seems good on the surface Mm -hmm. and from the outside looking in, it seems fine. Um, I'm going to be very, very blunt here and try to be quick. I moved, found a job on paper I, I, I know people are struggling to find jobs. I'm talking to other people in IT who are having trouble. And here I am. I found something. It's good. It pays well. It's stable. But I hated it. Mm. Absolutely despised it. And hopefully the saying it in past tense is giving you all the hint that I handed in my letter of resignation today. Yay! Um... Of course, I did go the safe route. I found something else, something that seems to be more sparking joy in me. So I'm very happy with myself and very proud of myself that I've done the Dean thing. I realized I was not doing the thing that was right for me. I was doing the thing that was right for everyone around me and Mm. that I matter 
And while it's not shunning, you know, loved ones to go fight demons, I'm still doing what makes me happy and will make me ultimately feel better. That's amazing. I'm so happy for you. Oh, thank you. It felt good to say to announce. Um, Mary, what would you have to reflect on or being called to this uh, season? Well, so again, like these milestones are just kind of a, I agree with you. They always happen at a really funny time. Um, As I think people know, like I'm coming back from like a pretty challenging, I think is the right word, uh, one month trip to France to go see my family. And there were some highs and there were a lot of lows and um, to be talking about family and parenthood and also fatherhood is definitely touching on some really raw emotions still. And one thing that stands out to me right now is that I feel called to like remind myself that not all like generational curses or generational trauma can be broken in one generation. Um, And so like maybe our parents tried to break some of them, maybe they didn't, but like we certainly can't break them all ourselves in one lifetime. Yeah. 100%. And if I can say from an outside observer point of view, um, you are raising one hell of a kid and he is so well adjusted and he is my example of a good child to everyone. Mm. So while you might still be reckoning with it, you are doing an ultimate job. Thank you. So we still have a little bit of time, Rochelle, to see if anybody has any specific things they'd like us to uh, react to. I know that there was something back in the chat. Um, yeah, really I think. Uh, yeah, I think uh, given um, that we're uh, you know coming up on our time pretty quickly. Let's take this one um, comment from Lucia and maybe Drew, you can address that. And I'm giving you two minutes to do it. So um, <laughs> I love essentially this. Um, it's uh, I'll read the, the, the comment. So I really need to hear Drew's reflection on Dean's experience with trust and betrayal this season. He made a number of comments earlier in the season about how Dean could only trust Cass because Sam and Bobby betrayed him by not telling him Sam was back. And he couldn't trust the Campbells or he, he or be truly vulnerable with Lisa and Beth. Only for Cass to be the one to betray him um, the, mo- the most by the end of the season. Drew, what do you think of the way that played out? Can I just <laughs> add something? Can I just add something before you respond? Please. I just want to say that I feel like there's something really meta about the fact that I encouraged that thinking in you. And like added to that betrayal potentially where I was like... Yeah, no, Cass has never betrayed Dean. <laughs> you know, I, I mentioned earlier, I did go back and rewatch some of the earlier episodes, uh, knowing what I know now. Yeah. I think my exercise next time will be to listen to our episodes more than watch, because I think I'm going to get more out of um, my, my, my trust in Mary might uh, falter from season to season <laughs> as I'm learning. <laughs> I love you, you know I trust you, and you do it for the best reasons. Uh, But to directly respond to your question, Lucia, I think it is just one of those show writing techniques of giving us like this really subtle hint of what is coming. It is foreshadowing in a way that is not blunt, which the fact that I didn't even put it together until this question right now is brilliant. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the fact that, Mary, you were even hinting at it before and I didn't get it, makes me feel even dumber in the best way 
Uh, I like being the dumb one sometimes in the sense mm-hmm. of like not having all the answers. Right. But I think it's amazing. I think it goes to show what Dean goes through in his relationships and how it is all like weirdly it gives me hope in the sense that we've seen how you can your your trust in someone can falter because of actions they've taken and with time you can move past them and understand the reason behind them even if you don't agree with them you can understand the thought process and i think this is what happens with sam when it comes to dean and bobby and he has maybe not forgiven but has been able to move past enough uh again i even reflect here a bit on the way bobby uh, and Rufus's relationship was never mended, but they were able to move past and be professional and be brothers, essentially. It just gives me hope for Cass, although I think lying about someone coming back from the dead for a year and taking over as God and killing a bunch of people and lying to you, little bit skewed on the balance, but Dean and Cass are forever, so... So if I can just add to that, because I I know that in the fandom, there's a lot of comments about how particularly season six and seven lack direction. And I, I can't disagree with that outright, but I also sort of want to say that my opinion is changing about that because I'm seeing now a lot more of the patterns that they've inserted throughout the season because like I went back and I I re-listened like more specifically for this and I'm just like well maybe they knew where they were going maybe certain elements they didn't necessarily but it, it really feels like there was at least more direction than I gave them credit for um at the time that I was watching or even before we did this exercise I love that and I think that's like the ultimate benefit of a show like this like ours is getting to go do that and Mm. even myself from a first viewing being able to still come out with those understandings right that's awesome is there anything else Drew you're perfectly on time you wrap that up exactly (laughs) on time so I think Matthew we could move into the outro um the chat was pretty quiet today but I think it was a a really great conversation, um, particularly in story time. So I, I, I wanted us to kind of keep that breath for story time. And, um, and uh, you know, we have, to, we have to make a sacrifice somewhere in, in, the, in the time. But uh, go ahead into the outro. You've been listening to Carrying Wayward, a supernatural podcast produced by Rochelle Castellano, hosted by Drew Shulman and myself, Marie Vigourou. Thank you to everyone supporting us on Coffee or Patreon, and an extra thank you to our Bunker supporters, Katira, L, and Jeremiah Thomas. This week, we'd like to thank everyone who is here and attending this live recording. Thank you. You can find the links to all of our social media and our merch store at carryingwayward.com. And don't forget to leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to us. And if you like Carrying Wayward and you'd like to support us in our project to go through all 15 seasons of Supernatural, you can support us through Coffee or Patreon, and you can find those links at carryingwayward.com. We'll be taking our usual short two-week break, but don't worry, we've got some stuff planned for you during this time, and we'll be back on September 22nd with Season 7, Episode 1, Meet the New Boss, through the theme of hubris. Carry on our wayward friends. Carry on everybody.